As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Matt Tebby, one of the co-hosts. I'm joined by my good friends and co-hosts, co-founders of Gravity, Ben Hardman and Ben Sternke. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Good to hey. be How are we here doing? with you. Yeah, we're good. doing all right. Doing great. Doing all right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing starting a new series today uh, called Being a Christian in America. Mm. And uh, I've actually had some interesting interactions with people online about the word America, apparently, apparently, I didn't know this, guys, but apparently there's a South America and a Central America. <laughs> and so uh, describing... Uh, Wait, the where are they United located S- in relationship to North America? <laughs> I need to verify this. I, I haven't Googled right. any of this yet, but this is what people right. are telling me. Okay, all right. So, uh, so, so I've, I've had people just uh, encourage me to say United States or the USA to describe... Uh, the United States. Yes, instead of <laughs> instead of America. Instead of America as the colloquial term for something yeah. that actually encompasses more than just what we're talking about, which is uniquely the United States. That's yes, true. but there's being a Christian uh, in the USA. How about yeah, that? yeah, born in the USA, mm-hmm. as Bruce would say. Yeah, so I think that little anecdote is maybe uh, an artifact of why we wanted to do this series. Mm. Um, we, yeah. you know, as we record this, we're entering into autumn. Kids are going back to school, uh, some virtually, some in person. But, uh, you know, as of uh, August or September 2020, I think we are in a more uh, ridiculously crazy uh, time in the United mm-hmm. States than perhaps since uh, the 1960s. I mean, it feels like there are so, there's a confluence of so many in, uh, cultural factors um, and um, that, that are making us mm. question, like the things we used to think were true or making us shake our heads mm-hmm. at the people that we used to feel like we had solidarity with. So 
Yeah. You know, maybe in addition to what's normally there, just people in different places in their faith. Uh, there's people who have from different traditions. You know, there's high church and low church, and there's contemporary worship and traditional worship. Mm-hmm. There's, you know what I mean? There's yeah. uh, there's Baptists and Catholics. Like, you know, there's lots of things that divide us already as Christians or make tensions. We have this confluence of, um, you know, the ongoing, ever-present uh, racial conversation in our in our country, and maybe uh, divide over uh, how people see current events. Uh, you have a political season ramping up with uh, you know the Democratic convention uh, and now the Republican convention, sort of um, f- firing shots at each other, and uh, we've got the pandemic that continues to be ever present and trying to pivot and deal with that well. Uh, Christians are uh, obviously divided about race, divided about politics, and, you know, interestingly, divided about the pandemic. Uh, And then you have maybe, I don't know if this is an additional thing or something that contributes to those three, um, that there's just this generational kind of gap that a lot of people are feeling. I was reading some of the latest uh, statistics from Barna about how millennials and Gen Z uh, see like baby boomers and Gen X mm. and just how there seems to be an ever widening gap of ac- you know perspectives and access to reality. So I think the confluence of all those factors mm. led us to say, hey, maybe we should take a look about why it's challenging maybe to be yeah. a Christian in the United States. Uh, I th- I grew yeah. up. I grew up Roman Catholic, um, and sort of uh, had this unspoken assumption that the best place in the world to be a Christian was America, mm-hmm. USA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- and you know, in less than a generation, perhaps uh, I think a lot of people are beginning to say, "Hey, that there isn't the United States doesn't just assist one in being a Christian." But the United States probably poses a lot of unique challenges and hindrances to being a Christian. And so, guys, as I share maybe the race, politics, pandemic, generation gap, uh, would you add to that list? What strikes you about those four things? Um, what do you want to add? I think um, this, and this maybe falls into the politics part of it, but I think um, one of the shifts that I've seen is um, there's a, there's a, you know, I I resonate with you, Matt, when you say, you know, growing up, so I I didn't grow up Roman Catholic. I grew up in a, like a evangelical charismatic church, Mm -hmm. Um, but the assumptions were the same. It was, it was, uh, we're thankful for our freedoms. We can worship, you know, without fear. Uh, you know, of being you know persecuted or you know uh, troubled in any way yep. uh, because we're Christians, um, and that's that's a real thing. I think we should mention like like it is good to have that freedom. <laughs> it's good not to be persecuted. You know what I mean? Like yeah. um, that's good. You know, that's a good thing. But it, there there was that same assumption that this is this is great. You know, like what, like this is the best best place in the world to be a Christian. But I think one of the things I, I would add nationalism, and maybe that's part of the political conversation. Hmm. But I think that nationalism and Christianity used to kind of be pretty, there was like this uh, integral relationship there that was pretty comfortable. Um, I think people said, you know, God bless the USA. And they sort of threw, 
you know, God and the USA and the flag and like the, you used to kind of throw all these things together and like not many people batted an eye about that. It was sort mm-hmm. of like, well, yeah, that's, it's great. You know, to, God shed his grace on the, and that kind of thing. And I think, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we're seeing now is that, oh, maybe that, maybe that was not a, um, maybe that was not a holy marriage of those two things. And maybe there is more for us to think about. So I think it's, I think it's become more complex um, mm-hmm. But maybe partly because it's become clearer that these two things never should have been brought together anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, uh, so, um, so yeah, so I think we're, I think it's maybe always hard. It's maybe always, it maybe always has been hard to be a Christian in the United States of America, but now yeah. we're sort of realizing uh, that it is <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. The, the intertwinement of, the word of God and the declaration of independence feels yeah. a little too close. Sometimes it feels like there's holy documents yes. uh, on both sides. And that becomes tricky. I, I would add to that just the rampant consumerism and individualism, I think mm. plays a huge mm-hmm. part in the difficulty of being a Christian in America. Um, mm. We, uh, we just have a belief that if it's that we can buy and sell whatever we want to make us happy, uh, and if it's not there, we can make it and create it and make it better. Yeah. Uh, and I think that has huge impacts uh, on our faith and how we deal with one another and how we treat one another and yeah. how we uh, how we interact with church even. Uh, totally. I'm, I, I discovered this week that our, our church has a bunch of Google reviews that I didn't know we had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like people have people have like gone online yeah. and like yeah. said things about our church, yeah. which I found awesome. Uh, it was really, it was really exciting. Well, if they're oh, five, five star, star reviews, reviews, then welcome. They were not all five stars, so, uh, but there was, there was yeah. a lot of five stars. But yeah. there was, there was a couple non five stars. Yeah. Uh, so consumerism and then individualism, just this, this idea that uh, mm. everything's about me, and yeah. uh, there's, yeah. there, it feels like that we've lost a bit of our um, ability to see the world as a collective. Uh, and to see the village, uh, and we've begun to focus so intently on ourselves yeah. uh, in many ways that that feels really harming and difficult mm-hmm. uh, for us to manage. How do we live in a world that is so entitled and so full of individualism and still be good neighbors and still uh, love the people around us and care for the people around us? So yeah. even when we talk about community and and how the church should function and those kinds of things. There's there's a separate narrative mm. uh, that says you got to look out for number one and you got to mm-hmm. you know pull up your bootstraps and get to the top and yeah. all of those kinds of things. So I think there's yeah. ideologies that are intertwined that are difficult to unravel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I hear you saying you know even if even if you had 100% five star reviews, like that like there's a category mistake there. Like why yeah, would you review no, a church? I, yeah, you know, but but that makes that. perfect sense to to a lot of people. They're just like, oh yeah, I'll review a church. Oh yeah, Yelp. You this know, like say, this is exactly yeah. the same as I ordered a sandwich and it was cold. Right. Yeah, and I went to this church and the yeah, the bathrooms are okay. The kids ministry was you know. So I ordered a of, sermon and it was yeah yeah it was mediocre. It was all right. Yeah. It was all right. Yeah. yeah. I wish you. I wish yeah. you. You know, I wish you would address differently. So khaki pants. So these three factors you guys name: uh, nationalism, individualism, consumerism. These aren't new, right? So these are right. these are these are maybe old um, isms 
we could perhaps add some more isms if we wanted. Mm-hmm. But it seems like uh, then the the different aspects of culture, maybe race and politics and pandemic, there these isms are are being uh, turned up to eleven mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the midst of them, right? Yes. Yeah. yes. And how we and it's, so it's highlighting or uh, uh, putting in stark relief the the dis- distinctions between people. And so mm-hmm. I I here's here's what just gets me. I I'm. You know, I I can, as a Christian, I can ascribe to a doctrinal statement or profess a creed with uh, another Christian, Mm -hmm. and we can have completely divergent views on race, politics, pandemic, uh, individualism, etc., and it's baffling to me. So that, Mm. you know, like, um, ecclesiologically, maybe, we, we, we line up. You know, we're sort of right lock, stock, and barrel. We all circle the right um, answers on the test. But mm-hmm. in the way we see the world yeah. is mm-hmm. is really, really divergent. And I think yeah. a lot of people are feeling this right now. Are you guys, mm-hmm. Have you guys talked to people that experience this disconnect or this disorientation? Yeah, I mean, I, I have. I've, I've talked with people who, yeah, they, they're in... They're in a theological tribe, right? That's similar to mine in terms of the what they would um, circle on the test, you know, to be the right mm-hmm. answers about uh, doctrine, um, that kind of thing. But um, but yeah, have very have very different views about um, about all of those things. And I think um, I think part of the I th- I've seen the disorientation manifest itself in people sort of being flabbergasted. That the people on the other side who see things a little bit, who see things quite differently, um, like don't get it right, or they don't understand what they're looking at, you know that kind of a thing. And and same and the same for vice versa is like why don't why don't you get this or why don't you understand this? So it seems like there's a lot happening underneath the surface, a lot of assumptions about what's important, a lot of assumptions about um, kind of what we're looking at. A lot of that's happening underneath the surface that um, that doesn't allow us to sort of look at the same thing, even people mm-hmm. who believe the same things, looking at the same thing and seeing the same thing. Um, and it is, I, I think a lot of people are disoriented by that. Um, and like then what I've seen is people get flabbergasted, entrenched into camps, throw rocks at each other, you know what I mean? Because they, they can't believe the idiots on the other side who are... Who don't get it, you know, who can't see what's going on over here, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. and that's just been intensified, I think, you know, kind of the world devolving into these ideological camps. Well, and there's so much entrenchment in those two camps, right? Yeah. And so for sure. people are so like to, to question your camp or your political party uh, becomes questioning your identity in Christ, it becomes questioning, like yeah. it questions everything yeah. Uh, yeah. when that begins to happen. And so there's, there's a lens in which the world is being seen that is so entrenched in a political ideology that is then intertwined with the Bible mm-hmm. uh, that it creates such havoc and controversy. I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago and, and I just shared a, a text with him and he said, what version is that that you're reading from? And I said, that's the ESV. And he said, oh, that's that's fake news. That's the liberal version. You're reading from the liberal Bible. And I was like, what? what? The ESV was the liberal Bible? That was the liberal Bible. That's amazing. Uh, and and uh, like, so I... I and I just tried to, I tried to talk to him about, Hey man, like, 
what what makes you believe that? And mm. and it ultimately came down to uh, this didn't align with what I what I wanted to hear. It didn't. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and so the only thing I have to say is that's fake news. But the Bible can't be fake news uh, right now. Yeah. Like pro we, tip, pro tip: the Bible can't be fake news. Uh, tweet that. Tweet right. that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Fake news. We're learning lessons on the podcast today. Yeah. So Hartman, you you named something I think that we want to we try to model on this podcast. And one of the reasons we want to do this series is one of the one of the disciplines or competencies we want to recover is the discipline of empathetic listening. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so not not so what so I guess when I first became a Christian and I read a bunch of apologetic books, I would always read about things I disagreed with in order mm-hmm. to like attack and defeat them. Right? Yes. So I was like I was like marshalling evidence against the thing that contradicted me. And I think that formed and shaped me into what you're describing, Hardman, like this entrenched reactionary antagonistic posture in the world. I think increasingly uh, there there is evidence that that posture doesn't lead to uh, the life that Jesus wants us to have in the kingdom. Like he's actually, he's actually telling us like in Romans 12, nine through 21 and other places, uh, I actually don't want you to have enemies. I actually want you to serve them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you to yeah, defeat yeah. them and like uh-huh. you know gloat over their dead body as you you know yes. intellectually own them. But I want you to um, serve them and love them and outdo them in showing honor and not be retributive and not seek revenge, et cetera, et cetera. And so, mm. one of the things then we want to do on this podcast is, and we try to do it every week, but model what it means to learn something <laughs> you know I mean? like not having this i mean we all do this right we have this concept or this construct and we go seeking evidence to support it yeah um but what if what if i was able to learn something new that mm-hmm. challenged me in a way that i wasn't expecting yeah um yeah and that feels like a i don't know that feels like something i had to learn how to do yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we've gotten to a place where we want to win more than we want to listen, and mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and I just I, I feel like that's not that's not the posture of Jesus. And and there is I mean there's generational aspects in this I think Matt and Ben that that are tricky because I think there is a generation that came before us who deeply still wants to fight the culture wars mm-hmm. uh, and still wants to win, yeah. uh, and. And so helping, like having conversations in that generation about what the culture wars actually do and what's actually been accomplished by fighting culture wars in the church and the fruit of that over the last, I don't know, what is it, 30 years, 25 years of of doing that is is interesting to me. and 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 it's difficult. Like it's it's really difficult as a pastor right now uh, to to have these kinds of conversations and to talk about these kinds mm-hmm. of things. But the thing that I'm learning is is when I sit at the table with somebody, and when I simply drop the I want to win right now mm-hmm. and stop vilifying my you know the person that's sitting across from me mm-hmm. or characterizing them mm-hmm. as something that they're not, and really begin to less listen. I start to realize we're not as divided as our news channels tell us we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not as divided as our social media presence represents that we are. Uh, I find that we're actually a lot closer on many issues. Yeah. Um, 
but it's so hard to have even a civil conversation these days around yeah. these things. It's, yeah. It makes it really challenging. So, yeah, how do we? How do what 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 does that look like for us to engage in these issues in a way that um, both challenges assumptions and asks yeah. tough questions, yep. uh, but. Uh, holds open the posture of I, I want to listen and learn from you as well yeah, and yeah. I, I don't pretend that I have it all figured out or yeah. have all the answers mm-hmm. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy our 10 month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. I think that's part of the challenge uh, right now is is just even uh, sitting down to try to have those conversations um, because I think there's a way there is kind of a both sideism kind of thing that that happens like where people are so seeking to end the conflict that they just smooth over the differences right and they'll just say like they'll say whatever it takes to sort of get everybody to calm down rather than actually challenge, like you're saying, Hardman, like actually challenge some things that maybe need to be challenged, um, but without sort of that devolving into this ideological culture war, where it's like, no, you're wrong, you know, uh, that's fake news, and we started lobbing rocks at each yeah. other again. Um, so yeah. it is, uh, I find it very difficult um, to, to navigate that, to say, like, what do I need to prophetically challenge here, but how do I, like, instead of just sort of not saying something for the sake of like, mm-hmm. I don't want to cause conflict. But then how do I do that in such a way that I don't just further entrench them in their view, right? How do I how do I do it in such a way that I can draw them into a different kind of conversation, draw them into a different perspective, draw them into something where we can mutually together learn something from one another, learn be together with one another? I, I think that's the yeah. challenge. That's the that's the um, we're not used to, like you said, Matt, we're shaped into a different kind of discourse, a different kind of conversation, which is, uh, here's all the evidence about why I'm right. Um, and then here's my like rhetorical training that is going to, you know, just eviscerate you. I mean, I got an A in apologetics as Come well on. and it felt hey, good, good job, buddy. right? It felt good <laughs> to eviscerate my opponents. Um, but like that was the fruit of it. The fruit of it was, uh, I felt good about that, you know, yes. and my opponent was like, didn't have any more evidence and they couldn't. And, you know, we were all, we were all probably, at, I felt bad for the person who had to argue, you know, on behalf of the atheist in our class in my Christian college. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they, they didn't do as well. Talk- they didn't do as well, you know, because I, th- I, th- I felt like their grade maybe depended on not doing as well, but. Yeah. Talk about a no win situation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think we should be, I want to be honest about this. Um, and I, I think I speak on behalf of all of us. It's not that like we don't have convictions about nationalism or racism. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? right. Or the culture war. Like Harbin, you even alluded mm-hmm. to the fact that 
I think all of us feel like the culture war has formed and shaped us as Christians to not demonstrate the kingdom of God and has mm. compromised the gospel witness that we have. Yes, yes. And so it's I think bad. it's... bad. We think it's bad. It's actually yeah. called war. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, actually, it's, hard, to, it's hard to be a right. peacemaker when you're, when you're at war. Yeah, yes. it is. Um, yes. Yeah, and so I think then it's probably helpful to say that, you know, we... Th- we actually think racism is a problem in our country. It's one of the right. one of the biggest problems in our country, and yes. we actually think that uh, that Christians have put too much stock and hope, idolatrously so, in what politicians can do for them. And there's mm-hmm. some dangerous blasphemy mm-hmm. slash heresy yes. in nationalism, and yeah. it's actually a problem. And yes. um, we've 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 got uh, maybe the erosion of being able to even the erosion of. The erosion of confidence in mm. authorities has contributed to a mass skepticism of any authority telling us how to deal with a pandemic. And so mm. uh, we don't know if we can trust scientists, and we don't know if we can trust politicians, and we don't know if we can trust even church leaders. Um, so uh, I, I think it's important for us to say we have positions on these things. Yeah. And so this... I think this series then isn't about giving a, a equal hearing to people that think racism is wrong and white supremacists. That's not what we're doing. Um, but what right. we are doing, right. right? So it's not like, oh yeah, we just need to listen. We just need to hear out the white supremacists. Maybe there's something yeah. we can learn. No, I, that's not what we're doing. Rather, what we're yeah. doing is we want to name for many Americans, many Christian Americans, the things that you feel like hinder your faith that mm-hmm. other people tell you are actually a part of your faith or necessary and good. Mm. Uh, like if you're a Christian, you have to um, make this person an enemy or you have to take this stance. And I, mm-hmm. think, I think there's a lot of people that actually have lost their faith or walked yes. away from the faith. Yes. Uh, but they haven't actually left the faith. They've left maybe something that um, had a form of godliness but denied some of its power. So that, I mean, I think that's the intention here is to name some of these things Mm -hmm. like we've done today, listen Mm -hmm. to some people that have thought about them and written about them, and maybe create conversation and imagination around what would it look like if we unhitched our wagon from the Christian wagon from white supremacy? What would would that do for us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? You guys with me on that? Would you change anything about that? No, I think that's good. I, I think it's good. And I think that's that's why it gets uh, tricky. Why it's not, uh, not tricky, but that's why it's challenging is because it's not easy. Like, I think there is, there is a, 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 you can either, I feel like the easy options are pick a side, right? You can be a conservative culture warrior or a progressive culture warrior. Pick a side and start, start you mm. know, lobbing rocks, right? Mm. That's, a, that's an easy option. Those are, you know, there's plenty of resources. I think the other easy option is to kind of become one of these, like, just preach the gospel, uh, kind of that attitude, right? Um, yeah. And what what people mean by that, right, is just talk about individual personal relationship with Jesus, try to get individual people into heaven by praying this prayer, and don't talk about the rest of this stuff. Just sort of try yeah. to stay, stay aloof. away from justice issues. Yeah, don't yeah. talk about justice. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about nationalism. Don't talk about race. Like, don't talk about it. Just stay aloof and just, it's all about the individual. They're a sinner. They're in need of grace. You need to pray this prayer, and then that'll solve it. Like, if people just become Christians, 
and we don't ever talk about this stuff, they'll automatically uh, sort of become good people and, you know, it'll be fine. Um, those feel like the easy options, right? And that we're saying like, no, actually to be a Christian in the United States of America is probably a lot harder than that, that we actually have to navigate. We have to talk about justice and there, the Bible has a lot to say about uh, the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, right? It's got a lot to say about how we treat one another. Um, and we have to take that seriously. Jesus talks a lot about this. And so to be a yeah. Christian means we have to figure out how to actually follow Jesus, not just sort of twiddle our thumbs and wait for heaven, but actually follow him in this mm-hmm. culture that we find ourselves in. Yeah, it's so good, Ben. Can I add another category to your sure. categories? Sure. I think the other category is you, 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 the gospel gets hijacked by a justice issue. And so you stop right. talking about the centrality of Jesus and you yeah. stop talking about the cross and the resurrection and sin and yeah. death and you yeah. stop talking and, and all you begin to talk about is justice issue after justice yeah. issue after justice yeah. issue and you lose yeah. something in that yes. in that space as well. And yeah. so there is a balance of mm-hmm. I, we, we do want to keep returning to Jesus. We do want to preach the gospel, but we also think part of the gospel is justice issues. And part of the yeah. gospel is talking about these things, yeah. uh, but but those may not be the central thing in which we're talking about yeah. and discussing, yeah. but they are a yeah. huge part of yes. what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think our faith. It's those. That's another easy option. Uh, is is what you're saying is is just to allow our faith to get co opted by, you know, the the voices that are out there, the strongest voices that are out there. So I think our faith can get co opted by the left. Our faith can get co opted by the right. Yeah, um, that's that's easy for that to happen because those because um, the media is making money by broadcasting this fight, you know, and yep. and, there's, oh, and stirring up the fight. Yeah, every they're day. stirring I, up. I right. mean, I, I would that's say that's the one money, the one thing that I would say, at least in my lifetime, that is unique to our time right now is entertainment news. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing culturally that is different and significant now compared to how it used to be or the way the world used to operate is the influence of entertainment news in our world, which is stirring up division. Their their goal is to stir up division. It's to stir up fear. It's to stir up outrage. Yeah. Uh, And not not because they love chaos, but because they've found that hijacking that part of our brains... They make money. Yeah. The more our eyeballs are on their websites, the more advertising yeah. they can sell, right? And yeah. so they've just learned. It's like this sort of, uh, and, it, and really the AI's learned this. Like it's, <laughs> that's the that's the weird sci-fi creepy part of this, is like uh, like the, the AI's robots. were like, you know what? People like people like people mm. engagement on Facebook is up when we show them these kinds of posts. So let's show them more. Yeah. So, so anyway, for, so you guys are naming like one of the challenges of being a Christian in America, is that. America makes money off of fear and anger. Yes. And so we are being spiritually mm-hmm. formed to be afraid and angry uh, with everything that we consume. But fear and anger, guys, uh, newsflash, are not part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Like we haven't mm-hmm. been given a spirit of fear, yeah. right? And we're not... Now, what, yeah. Is that the ESV, though? What uh, Bible translation? Well, is yeah. that the fake news? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it just saying... Be. This is an example of why it's so challenging to be a Christian in America. Yes. Because yes. our our trillions of dollar economy is is made it only works if a majority of us stay afraid and angry. Yeah. But as Christians, we we actually have a counter politic that doesn't run on fear and anger. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then the other thing I would say, guys, is that you guys are describing the left-right kind of binary, right? So either we just mm-hmm. preach the gospel, which means some kind of abstract notions about a transaction Jesus did on our behalf on the cross, that's caricature, or mm-hmm. or the or it's only about real-world justice, and so we're just doing good things for uh, people that need it. Again, again mm-hmm. another caricature. Sure. But mm-hmm. even even framing it that way is part of the challenge of being a Christian in America. Because yeah. as Christians, we don't stand between an elephant and a donkey. We mm-hmm. stand between uh, Eden and a New Jerusalem. Right. And at the center of our story is a cross. So we're not trying to be moderate. We're trying to center our story in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah, and that everything good. else take its place in there. Yep. And so if I can say amen to uh, something Donald Trump says, or I can say amen to something Joe Biden says, my frame isn't, well, I'm, just, um, I'm a moderate Republican or I'm a... A yeah. socialist. I try Democrat. to affirm uh, you know, equal numbers of things. On no. Both, you count them all up. Yeah. The, the spectrum no. is totally different. And so that's, yeah. that's I think, as yes. we're talking, when I say politics is a challenge, that's what I mean. Yes. I mean that our imagination is formed and shaped in something that hasn't been baptized in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And we have to uh, rejigger. How you like that, Ben? <laughs> rejigger our imagination for it. Uh, sorry, yep. I'm getting a little cranked up. Yeah, no, that's right, man. That's right, and that—that's—I uh, think that's it. Um, That—that—that that, that oftentimes for folks who are stuck in that left-right binary, to talk like this sometimes sounds like, "Oh, you're a moderate," right? And so, but it's like, no, I'm actually trying to get outside this binary frame. I'm actually yeah. trying to say, no, the cross of Jesus Christ is not moderate. The cross of Jesus Christ cannot be mapped onto American political ideologies. It's different. And it, 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 it transcends, but it also includes a lot of the things that get talked about. Um, I think, you know, Hardman, you put into our links uh, a couple weeks back uh, an article by Ron Sider, uh, where he, he talks yeah, about he's this. he's a podcast veteran, right? He is. He's been on our podcast. Uh, I think Brian Zahn's been on three times. So he's probably our, uh, he's probably our, our, our premier. I don't know what we would give him, like a gold star, a platinum record or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Ron that. Sider has been on twice, uh, one of several people who's been on twice. Anyway, he's he's like 80 years old. Like He just does not care what anybody <laughs> thinks anymore. He's a pretty <laughs> amazing guy. Um, but he had this brilliant article where he just very very calmly said, like, hey, why is, why is abortion like the, the litmus test? Why is it the only thing we think about when we think about what it means to be pro-life? And he started listing all of these things just very calmly about, well, pro-life might also mean that we abolish the death penalty might also mean that we're against war, you know, might also mean like, and he just lists all these things that, that I think I like listening to people like that who, who, are, who can very calmly blow up, just explode the frame that we have, which is being pro-life is conservative and being anti-death penalty is liberal and you can't hold both of those things at the same time. And somebody yeah. like Ron Sider is like, well, sure you can. If you follow Jesus, those things probably are just natural outcomes of following Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. And it's it's that's the that's the challenge I think is is can we are we able to critique both sides? Are we able to embrace some level of political homelessness? Are we able to see uh, the Bible as our lens in which we see the world, and mm-hmm. rather than our political parties and our political agenda? For sure, man. Uh, and. I- yeah. It's hard. I mean, it, I, yeah. I, I'll just admit it's hard for me sometimes. I feel like I get yeah. hijacked by yeah, totally. a certain yeah, yeah. train of thought, and then for I sure. get I, I jump on the outrage machine uh-huh. in, in an unhealthy way, and, yeah. and it's hard for me to discern what is 
What is a justice issue that needs to be spoken up with about and the church has to address? And what is, what is this just like the the outrage machine is stirring up on the news and on social media today and I need to sit this one out. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah, it is hard. It is hard because the arena, like sometimes we can think, you know, do I post this on Facebook or not? But it's like, it's so much bigger than, than that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's like, uh, it's so much bigger than that. So I think, yeah. I think this is, uh, I think these these are the questions we want to ask. I, I wanted to say too, Hardman, I, I like your, your term, like embrace a level of political homelessness. Um, and I would say in regards to the American ideological political system, yes, to basically say, I'm not at home here. Yeah. Um, but uh, like at the table, uh, Matt and I are starting a new sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, where we're talking about living the politics of Jesus in yeah. partisan America, United States of America. Yeah. Um, and I think that is that then can become home base for us. And we'll talk more about this with uh, some of our guests yeah, but um, on this in this series. And this series, by the way, goes all the way to Election Day. Um, so Election Day will be the Ooh. final day of this series. So, um, so get ready. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, so the political homelessness actually becomes, no, actually our political home is the church. Actually, mm-hmm. our political home is centering ourselves in the politics of Jesus, because he had like, and I think that's a really important thing for us to grapple with. It's not when we think of politics, we oftentimes just think of, um, you know, donkeys and elephants, right? In, in at least in the U.S., so donkeys and elephants—that's politics. Jesus is something else. But actually, what we I think we see Jesus doing is saying, no, I actually I have a politic. My politic mm-hmm. is the Sermon on the Mount. My politic is the church. And it, it is called to operate in a completely different way, which is what got the, the early Christians in so much trouble, by the way, is they just said, you know, yeah, have your Caesar. Jesus is Lord. And we follow him. Like, we're not going to yeah, be co-opted into this system. Uh, we follow Jesus. And um, yeah. so I, th- I think that's the, that's the call, right, is to, is to discern what the politics of Jesus are rather than framing everything through the politics of America. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Matt, one question. How, how do we, I imagine there's a few people listening who get triggered by this conversation even. Yeah. Like the idea that America isn't the greatest thing in the world and that there are challenges that we face and yeah. um, that there is some critique of our culture that is needed. Uh, how do you respond to the people who feel a little triggered by this conversation yeah. and it's tough for them because I, I feel a little bit of that anxiety even as we talk about this of seeing the lens of certain people in my congregation who this uh even this conversation is scary to them mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, i think to to talk th- about what makes it difficult to be a christian in america isn't to then say that there's no good nothing good in america Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, so part part of it for me is I you know um, it's been like um, other countries or people who are quote unpatriotic or maybe outside of Christian circles or maybe even like minority voices um, black and BIPOC uh, voices who have been the ones who have maybe named some of the things that are untrue and wrong about America or just unhelpful and I I wonder if it isn't uh, if it isn't a discipline of love to own what's wrong, um, like it, like if 
one of the ways out of the antagonism, mm -hmm. one of the ways out of the, um, for instance, uh, for instance, like one of the ways out of just these entrenchments is for somebody to stop lobbing bombs at the other people mm. and start owning what's wrong with them. Because mm -hmm. then you sort of take away their ammunition. Um, you know, then, then it's like, you know, what would happen to people who decry sort of the, the crass, wanton um, consumerism of America for Americans to go, yeah, you know what, you're right. We need to repent. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it just it diffuses the bomb i i think though here's 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 what i notice about my anxiety if i'm committed to an idea or mm -hmm. an ideology if it's become mm -hmm. part of my identity then mm -hmm. you can't critique it because you're mm -hmm. actually critiquing me and i take it personally yes right and so I, I would just encourage you to treat it as a kairos treat it as a signal of why does just ask be curious why does this bother me so much what mm. does this if this is true what does it threaten for me yeah, yeah what's at stake what's at what's stake for me for in me? this yeah. Yeah, because i sure. i just want to say if you're triggered or feeling um anxious right now you're not alone like all of us have that mm -hmm. we all have these things we've attached our identity to or committed yeah. ourselves to and and most of the time it it wasn't like uh every head bowed and every eye closed you know you accepted um nationalism into your heart you know what i mean like we we just have these <laughs> we just have these commitments in our bones and we don't even realize yeah. it so yeah yeah I, I think there's space for that and yeah and we want to i i guess i would confess that i tend to be fairly brash and so i don't have i don't often communicate enough compassion for people who are feeling anxiety um mm. so i i own that and and i think if you're willing to be anxious here, I'm willing to learn how to have compassion on you here. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. No, communicate. The healing's compassion. beginning. The healing's yeah. beginning. Yeah. Yes. Right here. We are the world. So we, we just play us out. Play us out. No, um, no, that's really good. And I think that, I mean, that, yeah, that kind helpful. of outlines our approach to everything. We just, like, there's always, there's always hope for everything if you can just say, well, Maybe I could just treat this as a Kairos. And what we mm. mean by that, that we, we do a lot of this in our training in Gravity Leadership Academy. But what we mean by that is just get a little bit of distance from your emotional reaction and yourself and realize those two things are different. And mm -hmm. I can actually look at my emotional reaction and ask questions about it. I can actually, I'm different from my anger. I'm different from my anxiety. So I can mm -hmm. just step back and go, huh, that's interesting. That this, this podcast triggered me. That's interesting. Um, when someone, you know, uh, when someone, when I don't get enough compliments after my sermon, I, I have a depressed, I, I feel very depressed. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. instead of just leaping into those guys suck or uh, that sermon must have sucked or I shouldn't be a pastor anymore. I suck. I suck. <laughs> yes. Right. Like leaping, instead of leaping into those things, just take a breath, take a moment and go, I wonder why not getting enough compliments uh, makes me feel depressed. I wonder why that podcast triggered me. Yeah. I wonder why this happened. I wonder what's going on. Yeah. So we invite you to join us on this journey. Um, we're going to look at a lot of different aspects of how this plays out. If you have thoughts or ideas, uh, feel free to share them at uh, Ben Hardman at gravityleadership.com. No, <laughs> you can message us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. If you have questions, you have maybe an episode idea, 
um, if you just want to share a testimony about how this is impacting you, either challenging or maybe comforting for you. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, let's let's keep our eyes uh, fixed on Christ as we walk through the next several months, because things are going to get more heated, more antagonistic, and more divisive. And uh, as far as it depends upon you, Christian friend, live at peace with everyone, right? Amen, yeah. guys? Amen. Amen. Good All word. Right. We'll see you next time. joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join you'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.